URC Youth Trialogue. Three people, three questions, three values. Back to Trialogue on this, the second week of Advent. So my name is Ruth White and I'm going to be your host this evening. And I'm going to invite our three fabulous panellists to introduce themselves, starting with Megan, please. Hello. So I'm Megan. I am from Swansea. I'm 21. So that makes me from the National Synod of Wales. Uh, so I've done a good few youth assemblies. Uh, very sad and disappointed that this year will not be in real life. But I am due to have a second baby the week after. So it's probably a good thing. <laughs> Thank you. Michael. Hi, uh, I'm Michael. I'm 28, which now makes me officially not young in the URC, I think. I'm not allowed in, in the Youth Assembly. Uh, I'm currently in the final stages of my PhD at Nottingham, uh, although I'm from Derby, uh, and that is a PhD in theology. So <laughs> I'm going to be mentioning it later, I'm sure. Excellent, thank you. And Addy. I, I, I was actually born in Ireland a little before these two. About 24 years ago, but I'm not telling you all that. <laughs> but we moved to England in 1952, and I've lived here ever since, apart from a brief spell in Africa. I married Barbara in 1968, and we now have two sons and five grandchildren, mm. ages ranging 6 to 20. I've been a teacher for my professional life and I've always been a Christian and a regular church attender throughout my life. Thank you. That sounds like an expensive Christmas to me with all them grandchildren. <laughs> well, thank you to the three of you for being here to engage together in this conversation this evening. And we welcome all of you who are watching tonight as well live or for those of you watching later, we welcome you and we hope that you're going to be encouraged and perhaps challenged by our conversation tonight. So let's pray before we start. God, you spoke into the darkness. You sent your son to be the light of the world. Father, we invite you here now to be with us in our conversations. We ask you to shine your light and truth into our time together. Help us to meet with you and each other and find hope together. Amen. 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 So don't forget, this is your programme, Watchers, tonight. Um, so you'll see on the screen uh, a link to Slido. Please do click on that, follow it through, and put your comments and your questions on tonight's theme, especially questions for our three panellists. I'm sure they'll be happy to, to take them and to wrestle with the answers. So do get involved. It's your programme. This week, we light the second candle on our Advent wreath. And that candle is often called the candle of hope. <clears throat> and we remember the journey that Mary and Joseph took to Bethlehem a young couple walking over 70 miles, heavily pregnant, to find there's no room waiting for them at the end. 
I'm sure that at times their situation probably felt quite hopeless. They knew what God's plan was to bring about Jesus. But it did turn out to be quite difficult, the story. And tonight we're going to share our faith stories. And we're going to consider where we find hope in dark places and dark situations. So before this evening, I gave the three panellists three questions, which we're going to explore together. And remember to send your stories into and your questions on Sligo. So first question panel was, please could you share with us the passage of scripture that is most helpful to you during dark times and why? Who would like to go first? <laughs> The old geezer go first? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, I think I've been pretty blessed in my life for not having dark times. Um, I've certainly had very few of them. Um, because I'm quite a, a laid-back person. I mean, some people would say I'm totally horizontal. But um, maybe I'm not sensitive to dark times so much. However, when I was 21, I was diagnosed with TB from a mass and x-ray thing, wasn't ill. Um, now my parents were very concerned about that because they knew lots of people who died of it. And, um, and I'd heard that there was a new drug called streptomycin had been discovered, which could cure, cure it. So I wasn't worried. And off I went to hospital, stayed there for three months and mm. came out like a pin cushion. Mm. But in, in later years, but when Barbara and I lived in, in Namibia for four years, during that time, Barbara did have a health scare um, and we were quite worried about it for a short while. But happily, it turned out to be nothing serious. But during that time, there was a teenage um, African who Barbara had taught um, uh, <clears throat> and uh, she also went to the same church as us and she sent us a quotation from Philippines and it's in chapter 4 reading verses 6 and 7 and it's the bit about do not be anxious about anything yeah and read it for yourself sometime Philippians 4 chapter uh, verse six and seven. Six and seven. Thank you. So you've held on to that over the years. Hmm. <laughs> Megan or Michael? Shall I go? Right. Um, so mine is uh, from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew Bible, um, and it's from Deuteronomy. Uh, not usually everyone's first pick, but. Uh, it's the, the beginning sort of introduction to the, the rest of the law and uh, the, the long list of laws that uh, nowadays seem so strange to us. Um, but, but at the beginning, God calls his people to, uh, to listen, to circumcise the foreskin of their heart and pay attention. Uh, and then he tells his people who he is and that description of who he is is uh is my passage 
Um, so it's Deuteronomy 10, 17 to 19. Uh, and it says, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the stranger, providing him food and clothing. And what I find comforting, striking about that is that when God chooses to describe who he is, he describes the people that he is rooting for, the people that he is uh, on the side of and who he wants to protect. Um, and he chooses three people to symbolize this. And Deuteronomy takes these three people and, and I was going to say pairs them together a lot, but he triples them together a lot. Uh, the orphan and the widow and the stranger. And uh, I'm going to have to mention my PhD very briefly to say that that word stranger is basically the entire subject of it. Um, the Hebrew is ger. And in my opinion, if, if, if you look at it, uh, if you look at all the examples of that particular Hebrew word, it always refers to someone who has had to leave their home because of famine or because of war, um, some great loss of their homeland and therefore putting them in this position where they can no longer sustain themselves. Mm. Um, so I'm arguing for a translation of refugee. Um, mm. I think it's, it's, it's far more specific and actually gets to the core of who God is that he, when we're in dark times, which I think an orphan, a widow, and a refugee so perfectly represent uh, some of the darkest times that we might ever go through in our lives. They're the people that God says, you know who I am because I'm the person who protects these people. And if, and if, if we know that God, then however dark the times we're in, we know he's on our side. Um, so yeah, that's why uh, that's my passage. Wow. It, it, I, I just got this Bible. This isn't one I often read. What is this <laughs> Bible? Oh, good news, rainbow, good news. And um, it's just on this there. And it actually says in this one, the foreigner, <laughs> little, little number, and then down the bottom, it says refugee. Oh, excellent. So, <laughs> perhaps good news isn't so bad after all. That's, that's good news. <laughs> Megan. Um, so mine comes from the Gospels and it happened to be my favourite passage in general. Um, and that's Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 to 8. Um, it's always been one that sticks by me. It's it's the one that goes along the lines of ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened for everyone who asks shall receive. And I think just it's, it's a good one to have and to love, not just for the dark times, but for every time. Um, you don't have to necessarily be in a dark place to have to ask God for anything, but to know that he's always there and he's ready to listen to you um that I always find comforting and reassuring um but yeah for, for years that has it's been my go-to verse um as a way of putting it 
it's just it's always brought me that comfort from it 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 reminds me that when I'm not sure what's going on or what to do all I need to do is just set aside that bit of time chill out have a chat with him and just I know that he'll be there to to open the doors that I need opened and to answer the questions I need answering so yeah thank you Wow, but three very different passages. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't want to move on before giving you um, the opportunity to come back at each other on any of those passages, any thoughts you might have had, anything that um, came, came out to you in those passages. I really liked that, um, the one that Michael mentioned, Deuteronomy, like I never would have thought of something like that but that's really stuck out and I've, I've made a point of writing that down and everything that's that's really stuck out to me yeah it's good to get a good explanation of what you're talking yeah about. <laughs> well, when you've been yeah. writing for three years on it, <laughs> it I'm, I'm struggling so, to think of anything else unfortunately <laughs> it's fine by us <laughs> are you publishing it michael when um, I've, I'm writing it first and then I'll tell you what I'm doing. <laughs> I've got a feeling some people might be interested in it after that. Mm. And, and, and we had a comment come in during that, Michael, that said, um, during this time, this Advent time, we can also remember that Jesus was a refugee. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. In Definitely. fact, um, if I, I'll, I'll delve a little deeper into that word, for example, um, of Gare. The, the number of people um, again, because it's Hebrew, it's only Old Testament. Um, but as you say, uh, Jesus too is uh, lives the refugee story in in those first few chapters of of Matthew. Um, but you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Lot, uh, all of Jacob's uh, Jacob's sons, mm-hmm. Moses, all all are referred to by this term Gare. Um, Elijah as well. Um, the 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 Bible is a history of people going through dark times um, mm. and and finding their refuge in God. Um, so we're not alone. Mm. You know, when we're when we're going through um, difficult times, the Bible isn't this um, collection of on the surface, at least, collection of feel-good stories, or or, or even kids' stories for, for some of them, it's it's a a series, just a, a relentless series of people going through hardship, um, and yet through faith in God, carrying on, and not just carrying on, but prospering, thriving. Uh, many Christians do a Jesse tree, don't they, over, over Advent? which the whole purpose of the Jesse tree is to, to recap all those ancient Old Testament stories that lead up to the birth of Jesus. Mm. And it, it, it makes you think of the repeating pattern, as you've just described it, yeah. of people in hopeless situations mm. needing a saviour or a help and finding it. And of course, Jesus himself went through some pretty dark times. Definitely. Indeed. Definitely. Oh, definitely. So don't forget people viewing tonight. We're really interested to know what your uh, go-to passage is as well. So do feel free to send those in along with your questions for our three panellists this evening. 
Our second question that we sent to you was a little bit more personal, I guess, which, which was, <clears throat> how does your faith or belief shape your daily life, including if you would like to during this time of COVID-19? You want me to go again? Carry on. <laughs> okay. Well, I got another Bible passage because... Um, Excellent. I, I think our, um, both Barbara and I have got this very strong driving force from Matthew 25, where Jesus is talking about the final judgment when he separates the sheep from the goats. And uh, he, he goes through a bit which includes... I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the righteous ones didn't know when they'd done it. And Jesus points out, of course, that it's doing it to anyone is doing it to Jesus or for Jesus. And, and that's, that's been, been our kind of motivation for a lot of what we've done during our lives together. And um, I think we started thinking, um, what, what can we do practically? Um, we, we go to church every Sunday, we worship. What, what can we do? And we started by fostering. So we fostered young children and then an older teenager for a while. And, um, and then things got a little bit difficult with our own children mm -hmm. growing up at the same time. So that stopped. And uh, more recently, on, on a similar theme, we've actually been taking in refugees. Wow. Um, there's, there's a... I think all refugees at home, which Gary Lineker has made famous by volunteering to do it himself. Well, we we did a, a couple before, one before Christmas um, was a young man from the Sudan, um, and he he was a Muslim, delightful young man, and he stayed with us about two or three weeks, and then um, we were having family for Christmas, so he he had to leave, and just as the very day that he had to leave, he was given accommodation. Wow. See, it's what, what, what happens with refugees, I don't know if you know, but when they go through an asylum process and they're given accommodation, when that finishes, they got a month right. to find, when they, get, when, they when they get refugee status, they, they've then got a month to get to find or have found for them a council accommodation. And uh, it usually takes a lot longer than that. Mm. Well, they can end up actually street homeless if you're not careful. So, so we, we that's, that's the idea of refugees at home to cover that period. Okay. After Christmas, we got another one. He was from Eritrea, and he was a Coptic Christian. Another completely different situation. But you know, we've we've got room in our house. We've got room in our hearts, and and it's really good for us. We find this uh, a wonderful experience to be able to share our lives mm. with with other people, particularly from um, from from afar. 
And I think we we look at ourselves in in terms of of spreading the faith as being more like Martha's than Mary's. We we, we like to be doing things, um, doing ordinary everyday things, and 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 sowing seeds, mm. and and we've been doing this through. Uh, We've done over many, many years working with young people in church through Sunday school youth groups. Um, and we've seen God shaping our lives, and we've seen God shaping lives of people who have been affected, who, who, who we have had some effect on, I think, mm -hmm. and others we just don't know what's happened to them. But yeah. we, we pray that maybe our example will be good for their future, for their relationship with God. Thank you. Thank you, Abby. A comment came in um, as you were speaking. <clears throat> uh, this individual is saying that they're really touched and challenged by your phrase, room in our house and room in our hearts. That was good. Um, and they've asked the question, they want, it's left them wondering, have they made room? Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Megan, would you like to, do, do you need me to repeat the question? <laughs> how, um, yeah, uh, go on. <laughs> <laughs> it was about how does faith uh, or belief shape your daily life, especially over the last few months, perhaps? Yeah. Um, so it links back to um, the verse that I mentioned earlier, and that's why it's my favourite and why it's stuck by me for so many years. Um, but whilst I've mentioned it's there as a comfort. I also find um, the verse itself and God as a support, um, especially during the last few months. So for those who don't know, um, I've got a little toddler. I was meant to go back to work in May and that didn't happen. And suddenly I was left alone with a toddler all day, every day which can be stressful <laughs> to say the least, mm. but also it's been fabulous in it, in other ways to be able to be there for all of the developmental moments and everything like that. Um, but my partner, he was working through all of it. We weren't allowed to see any family, anything like that. So it was, it was just the two of us pretty much all day, every day. Um, mm. So I ended up and, I say it like it's a bad thing, but it's not, but relying on God a lot. Um, you know, he was quite often the first person to turn to, which I think is how the, our lives should be led. But quite often he gets pushed aside because we have the other support from family and friends. But to not have that, I felt actually did me a favour in the fact that I remembered, oh, yes, God is there for me to talk to. He's there for me to have that support. Um, so it was a good reminder in that sense, um, even though it was a tough time. Um, but he definitely helped. So I've started now putting that into my everyday life, which is how it always should have been. But I'm glad that that's how it is now. So it's the same as I said previously. It's taking that time just to sit down and, have a conversation with him and just you know it's almost like checking in with a friend um checking that 
I feel like I'm doing everything all right and just that everything's going smoothly just just having that nice friendly chat really um but yeah that's that's the way it started to shape my daily life um and yeah hopefully I don't see that changing for a while (laughs) thank you Michael I think I'm gonna um take this question a bit sideways actually um I've got I've got another quote that immediately sprang to mind um when when asked this question um but it's not from the bible it's um it's from game of thrones um <laughs> now you, don't, <laughs> you don't need any context to know uh, uh what the passage is uh, is about but uh, a young boy uh in the story asks his dad um can you be brave when you're afraid or, or words to that effect and uh, the father replies, that's the only time you can be brave. And I think that this faith, can you have faith in dark times? Can you have faith when you've got doubts? Can you have faith when the world seems to be going in a direction that you don't want <laughs> and, and things like that? And I think that's that's the time when, not necessarily the only time you can have faith, but it's when faith is, strongest or or most uh, strongly felt should i say um when when things feel like they're under attack or they're slipping away that's when faith becomes the most important and i think um taking a broader look at the word you know a faith not just from a from a christian or a religious point of view but as as the world goes through this collective trauma of a global pandemic people are grasping at, at faith, whether that's faith in politicians or faith in scientists or faith in a vaccine that's, that, you know, people, people need to believe, people are desperately looking for something to hold on to. And the, the, the joy of being a Christian is that you know that that faith is being built on solid ground. And the, the, my hope is that through times like this, people's people people who are seeking, uh, but they don't know yet what they're seeking. To go back to to Megan's uh, choice of passage, mm. if they they seek, they will find, and mm. and that as 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 Ali was saying, we can be the the Marthas, the Marys that can try and help direct people's natural impulses to 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 attach their faith to something that they know can help them in, in these dark times. Mm. Um, that's got to be our role at the moment. And that's got to be how it shapes our lives um, at all times, but especially um, during the darkness, as it were. Mm-hmm. Megan, um, a viewer wants to pass on their thanks to you for your honesty. Oh, fab. I'm glad that um, hopefully I provided some sort of comfort. Very much so, I think. <laughs> but what if, what if the, um, the darkness seems to be overwhelming? Um, is, it, is it easy to say, well, there is a light there and God, God's light will come and, you know, God's, God's all powerful and you're going to be fine. 
Is that is that just an easy thing to say to someone who's just been drowned by the darkness? Absolutely not. No, not yeah. at all. <laughs> Something that occurred to me again, uh, going back to to Megan's passage, um, that it's it's used in the verse of a song that I've forgotten the singer now. Is it Martin Joseph? Oh, he's, he's got. Yeah. Um, he never said. He never yeah. said. And uh, it goes through a list of a load of things that uh, we commonly say to each other um, that just are not in the Bible. Uh, <laughs> and they're, 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 they might be comforting or they might they might sound biblical, but they're just not. And then the, obviously the chorus is he said, answer a stranger's cry for help. Um, answer uh, knock and the door will open wide, this kind of thing. But it's the final final line of that song that really sticks with me uh it's because it's because it's not part of a a verse it's just said on its own at the end as the music fades he never said every little thing's going to be all right and i think we we often want to believe that everything's going to be fine from our definition of fine yeah yeah mm -hmm. everything's going to be all right and i know what all right looks like <laughs> so so everything's going to be like what i've what i've got in my head and 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 that's not the case he he never said that um but that is not easy for us to to detach ourselves from what we think the plan should be um and I think that's where it becomes difficult. We have to have that faith that even though we don't know what rightness and goodness eventually looks like for the world, um, that, mm -hmm. that there's someone who does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the well-known verse from Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Mm -hmm. um, for I know the plans I have for you. It's like, we don't know. We've just yeah. got to put our faith that he knows the plan and he's setting us on the right path. And that is difficult when you go, what's the point in doing this? Yes. But you, you've just got to, you've got to know that it's there for a reason, whatever yeah. it is that he's getting you to do. Um, and just put your faith in him that everything will be okay. But how you get there, you don't know. <laughs> And I suppose if we're not in dark times ourselves and we see people who are in dark times, then maybe we are or can be the voice of God's comfort personified, mm. which might be easier for, for them to grasp. Even if it's over the telephone, it can make a, a huge difference to someone who is who is feeling in despair to, to have a to talk to mm. someone who is actually listening and uh, and sympathetic? We've had a few questions come in. If I can put them to you, don't don't feel you all have to mm -hmm. answer all of them, but and then we'll get through loads if you like. But um, so the first one, Adi, you might be best to start with this one actually. So, what did you mean by being Martha's and Mary's? Please, could you explain? All right. Yes, when when Jesus went to visit Martha and Mary, his cousins in in Bethany. Uh, Martha was busy getting everything ready, getting the food ready and what have you. And Mary was just sat at Jesus' feet, looking up at him, worshipping. 
So what does it mean for us to be a Mary or a Martha? So is it so, Martha's yeah. serve and Mary's study? <laughs> yeah, study, worship, and, and it, it, it's all valuable stuff. Yeah. It's all stuff that we all need to do. Someone doing a PhD, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're all right, Mary. <laughs> yeah. I guess that makes you Jesus then, Megan, if we've got Mary and Martha. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so is it possible to be hopeful at the moment, considering what is happening with COVID-19? So is it actually possible to be hopeful? Is another question. Well, physically, we can be hopeful because there's a vaccine. Yeah. Which is going to make a big difference, even if it doesn't eliminate it. It will make it far, far better for people who do suffer. Mm -hmm. So there's hope there. I think it's always possible to be hopeful. Um, things just might take longer than we hope they would. Um, and that shouldn't necessarily put a dampen on our hope. Um, but it does seem like sometimes it's going around in circles. Um, you know, at the minute, I feel like I'm back in March again, just it's colder this time. Um, but, you know, as Adi mentioned, they've made so much progress behind the scenes. We've suddenly got a vaccine and that is such a such a big part of giving us more hope. Um, hopefully it won't be too long until we can see our hopes so to say becoming life yeah i think there are so many um there are so many things going on at the moment in the world there are you know that there is um obviously the virus there are the obvious effects of the virus in terms of uh people's health and um people fighting for their lives in, in hospital. But then there are the, the sort of knock-on effects that come out of the a virus, you know, people's, people's job prospects, people's um, ability to uh, live the same life that they, <laughs> that they lived before. There are people suffering tremendous loneliness and isolation that, um, even with the best will in the world, when people know the good that it does, it doesn't make it hurt any less yeah. that you can't hug your grandchildren or you can't hug your grandparents and, and, and all these things that, that, that require an answer of, can you be hopeful with? Yes, of course. Um, but, but, a, but an answer like that is, it, it can it can fall on hollow it can feel hollow is what mm. i'm trying to say um yeah. when when all the the comfort we can we can give as as human beings is it it won't last forever mm. you know it it's it's um it's only temporary um it, it'll all come good in the end when when we know that f for many it might not you know and 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 those words aren't just hollow because, well, it doesn't help me now. Um, 
they can sometimes feel hollow because we've lost loved ones. We, yeah. we fear losing more loved ones before it's over. All of, all of these, um, all of these things that we want to be hopeful for come under the, the, the more, the umbrella hope that God's plan will come to fulfillment mm. and that God's plan has, um, well, I'll go back to, to my, my choice of verse. God's plan and God's identity mm. has us at its heart. He, he has the people going through tremendous pain and suffering and loss specifically at its heart. That is who he is. And if, and if we have faith in him, then everything else doesn't go away, but it starts to shrink as our perspective changes, hopefully, mm -hmm. um, because the, the, the greatest mm -hmm. hope that we have sort of encompasses all those mini hopes that we will be able to do X, Y, and Z again, that we will be able to see um, X, Y, and Z again. Um, yeah. So, so I, yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry, yeah, Michael. No, 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 I was just going to uh, repeat that again in different words. <laughs> <laughs> we can watch it again. And yeah. we can do on the podcast. <laughs> And um, we've had a few comments come in, if I can share them with you. Um, so somebody says that they're finding this quite emotional, listening to the panellists in a really touching and positive way. Listening to their experience shared with the sincerity that they are is so reassuring and encouraging, bolstering what we say to ourselves. So be encouraged. You're doing a good job. <laughs> And someone else is quoting Augustine of Hippo, which makes me sound really intelligent. <laughs> and they say, I didn't know this quote. Hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are anger and courage. Anger, that things are the way they are. And courage, to see that they do not remain as they are. I think that sums up what you were saying, Michael. Mm. It seems someone said it before you. Uh, <laughs> there, there, there was there's a always one ancient philosopher <laughs> got there first you could be the one of the future <laughs> um, um there was a question that came in what are your sources of hope okay. mm. i'm being distracted by a cat okay we're <laughs> Where do you find your hope? Just jotting that down. It's, when, when I'm reading the Bible um, and I can see myself in some of the, um, the most flawed characters most often, but uh, I, can, I can see myself in the story of God, that it, it helps you to orient your life and see how um, you fit in. Because so much of the time um, we think of ourselves as small or insignificant 
or one of many. Um, but but the, the Bible is full of not just passages that say, I know you by name and, and I've chosen you and I know the plans I have for you. But but stories of real people who make real mistakes, who live real lives and real tragedy um, and are part of the grand narrative. And, and when we are, well, when I am able to think of my life as being some, you know, and I feel, I feel really um, awkward saying it like this, but part of a grand narrative and not just a bit player because none of us are bit players. Mm. And it, it sounds grandiose and the antithesis of humble to say, I'm an important character in the story of creation but that's what the bible says to everyone um, mm -hmm. and if that's true then that has to be a source of hope i think um your storyline matters <laughs> and your story your evidencing we're hearing from the, the people viewing your story is a story of faith and hope that can urge someone else on their way mm -hmm. Adi or Megan, I want to give you opportunity to come back on that one. What is your source of hope? Well, um, mine is about I'm a lot nearer to the end of this life than the rest of you. And um, so my feelings of immortality, which I had when I was younger, have kind of dwindled a bit. So, so my, my, my hope is, is in Jesus that um, this life is not the end, that, that there is something to follow. I've got a, a room prepared for me somewhere. Thank you. Megan. I think Megan might have frozen. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I never oh. that good when I freeze. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like we're saying, Oh, are you back, Megan? I hope so. Sorry, my friend. So what were your what was your source of hope? Um sort of similar to Addy, that in the sense that it is Jesus, um that he well, his story, just looking at his story gives me hope. Um and then touching on what Michael said as well, you know, that we all we all are important. Um, we're all here for a reason. We are part of this big picture. Because um, it's very easy to feel insignificant and feel tiny and small. Um, but that's really resonated with me um, as that reminder that, no, we are here for a reason. We are important. And that should also give other people hope as well not just ourselves so seeing mm -hmm. other people um coming out of dark times seeing other people putting their faith in god and in jesus that's what gives me hope thank you i yeah, feel I, like we're playing another thing i was thinking about was um i, I can look back over the years a lot more than the rest and I, I can see where God has mm -hmm. definitely pushed me in a particular direction 
put me in the right place and so on. And and this this is further reassurance that yeah, he is. He's there. He's he's looking out for me. And uh, and he he will keep his promise. Someone said, um, Michael, they're playing Top Trump's Hebrew words with you now. Okay. The Hebrew, someone says the Hebrew words for hope. Oh no, I'm going to have to pronounce this. So the Hebrew words for hope is Yakal, is it? Y a k h a l, which means to wait for. So how do you feel about having to wait for things? Um, good, good Advent question. Yes, very good. <laughs> a good COVID question. <laughs> a good COVID question. Thanks, Barbara. Sorry. <laughs> if I if I look back on on my considerably shorter experience for, uh, of of uh, of trying to discern God's uh, plan thus far in my life. I have to say <laughs> it's it's probably more that God's been waiting for me rather than I've been waiting on him because I've not known what I was waiting for or rather I've had an image in my head of what I was waiting for and then been told no no that's not what you're doing uh, which is how someone who wanted to um, go to Cambridge to study law um, for the sole purposes of joining the footlights and writing sitcoms uh, is now on the <laughs> third year of his PhD at Nottingham in theology. Um, <laughs> the, the, the route there was, was always driven by um, my decisions because I thought it would be the best way of still getting to my end goal. Okay. Um, and uh, it took me until the, the first or second year of my undergraduate degree at, uh, in theology. Um, that I realized that I was falling in love with the subject and that that was what God was trying to show me all this time. <laughs> and uh, so now, what is it? Eight years I've now been at <laughs> that university. <laughs> um, that was never part of my plan. No. Uh, that was not something that I thought I was waiting for. But mm. uh, so, so in terms of if I look forward to now, and project that <laughs> that experience of waiting for A to be presented with, well, and not just B, something far further down the the, the alphabet that I wasn't thinking about. <laughs> um, I I would say I'm trying not to wait. I'm trying to just be open to whatever happens. Um, and I'm sure when I look back in another 28 years, I'll be saying, oh, I was clueless about what was going on, but I see it now. <laughs> That's what I hope anyway. Right. Hindsight. Megan, I think you're, you're used to waiting. <laughs> um, it's tough the first time um, when you don't realise what you're waiting for. Um, it's really tough um, in the sense that you feel like God's not listening. You feel like he's ignoring you and you feel like you've just been left on your own. Um, so it's fairly similar with university. Um, so when I was 18, I went away, started a drama course. Um, that's all I ever knew in my head that I wanted to do. It was just drama, drama, drama. And then come 
April, I found myself back at home having dropped out. I was like, now what do I do? I was like, that wasn't right for me. So what do I do? And I still don't fully know what I'm going to go and do. But in that time, I've started a family. I found my partner. And that would have never happened if I'd stayed in uni five hours away. And that when that hit me, I was like, that's why. That's what I was waiting for. That's why I went through those months going, is this what I'm meant to be doing? Is this where I'm meant to be? And finally making that decision to come home and knowing it was all there for a reason, finally, really just, it just hits you really hard when you realise that that that's what he was trying to tell me all along. Mm. Um, And I think that's made it easier now to know in the future that when I feel like that again, there's a reason behind it. Mm. But when it was that first time, it it was tough. (laughs) Thank you. Addy, how do you feel about having to wait for things? Uh, really <laughs> years of practice um <laughs> but i don't know I, I i tend to keep fairly busy if i'm waiting for something to happen i find something else to do in the meantime uh, yeah yeah i think i do that one <laughs> so <laughs> our final question then that we set to you was for people who are listening possibly watching now live or later on what is the main piece of advice that you would give to someone who's finding themselves in a dark place perhaps feeling a little bit hopeless at the moment what would be the main piece of advice that you would offer Addy well what I would say was always have something to look forward to Mm. maybe a holiday, which would be rather nice, but it's not practical at the moment. <laughs> something really simple, like, like at, at, at weekends, we treat ourselves to a Tradecraft chocolate ginger. It's ginger covered in dark chocolate and just let it melt in your mouth. It's wonderful. <laughs> and, it, and it's a real little treat. And we say, oh, it's Saturday. We can have our chocolate tonight. <laughs> You do realise we're all going to be thinking about you on Saturday now. <laughs> you want to hot chocolate. <laughs> you look at your house and you want some, I've got a waxful. Yes. <laughs> I'll sell it. <laughs> Michael or Megan, um, what, what advice would you give? So we've got always have, try and find something, no matter how small, to look forward to. And what would you say? Um, mine, from the uh, faithful point of view, is to go back to what I said right at the beginning and remember that God is there and he is your friend um, and you should treat him as such, um, that he's there to have that friendly conversation with and that you're not on your own because that can be one of the hardest things when you're in a dark place is to remind yourself that you're not on your own. So just to remember you do, as they say, have a friend in Jesus. and just yeah keep your faith in them as difficult as it can be i think mine mine sort of uh, naturally follows on from that 
Um, and I know full well that I'm not the first to say this. So Augustine of Hippo has probably <laughs> written reams about it. But um, not just do we have um, a friend in Jesus, not just do we have um, a God who we can turn to uh, in, in dark times, but we have a God who in those dark times, in the darkest of those dark times came down to mm -hmm. earth and experienced uh, the, something far darker than we hopefully ever will so mm -hmm. that we wouldn't have to that that in the midst of our suffering uh, god doesn't sit on a throne uh with you know comfy cushions and mm -hmm. and someone feeding in grapes um he's he's there nailed to a cross and and that is the god that that we know it's it's a god he he is a god that um participates in the pain mm. and truly knows what what we know as as suffering and and knows far beyond what we know as suffering hopefully um so my my advice is to remember that our God is a personal God who goes through what we go through with us. Um, the, the, one, one of the, the images that doesn't come from the Bible that I, I really, really love and that everyone has heard about it um, is, is the, the walking on the beach. Um, and and just knowing that we, that there isn't just one set of footprints for the majority of the to walk we are walking alongside our god and if there is one uh, pair of footprints it's because we're being carried um <laughs> that that image of who god is should hopefully be a comfort it's certainly a comfort to me and i i hope that it is for others um thank you we've uh we've talked around the subject a lot there i think i think we've given viewers and listeners quite a bit that they can pull those different threads as they need them I think so thank you for your time thank you for sharing so honestly and openly uh, and generously I think for me I'm going to take away that the, the message of Christmas still is true today I was rereading the Christmas story and and it seems that the, the thread that is repeated is do not be afraid God is with you repeated all through the story so that's what I would leave if I'm allowed to do that as a non-panelist. <laughs> do not be afraid because God is with you. So we're going to have our Christmas break now from Trialogue and we will be back for another season in the new year. So the first one in January, um, I think it's the 14th, forgive me, I might be wrong on that date, um, is with Phil Ray hosting and it's going to be big questions. So if you've got any huge, really difficult, I would say, just to fill questions, <laughs> send them in for Phil and his panel. Um, you can do that beforehand and on the night, um, but preferably beforehand so that we can prepare lots of answers. Big questions. They will be explored and you never know, they might even be answered. Um, so do send those in. You can do that on Slido. You can do that through your uh, Slido Plus. Uh, in your area, uh, just get in touch. 
And I think to leave you with uh, what Megan was saying earlier, we might not have youth assembly coming up in January, but we can still be connected. We've heard about that a lot tonight. We need to remain connected to encourage each other and carry each other through our dark times. So do get involved, look out for youth disassembled and, uh, and remain connected throughout next year. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking part in our Trilogue programme, whether you've been watching or to three of our panellists. We hope it's been useful to you. And um, I'm going to ask Addy to pray for us, please, before we close. Thanks, thank you, let's pray. Well, God, our loving Heavenly Father, you've left us with this hope through Jesus mm. that we can cope with whatever is to come. So Father, just help us when we do hit dark times to remember that and to lean on you, to be carried by you. And Father, help us to, to spot other people who might be going through dark times and give them a word from you to help bring them that little bit of comfort and keep us all communicating together. Mm. We ask this in the name of your Son and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. So there's only one thing left to say, I think, and that's we wish you a very, very happy, healthy and hope-filled Christmas from all of us here this evening and from everyone on the youth and children's work team. God bless you. Thank you for being with us this year on these journeys in Trilogue. And we look forward to being together again next year. Bye for now. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas.